you were the chief of the Sports Talk Clemson Bureau, the great David Hood. From oh, man. I'm, I'm, yeah, always glad to join you guys. Hope you guys are doing well. We are. Yes, of course. He's, he's checking out South Carolina and Tennessee. So we want to take this opportunity just to talk a little Clemson, not just about the game tonight, Clemson-Louisville, also about the big recruiting weekend coming up, uh, some of the stories you've got posted at TigerNet.com. But I'll start here, David. Anybody in our profession, we, we've all been there before. You're watching Clemson, and it's it's slowly happening before your eyes. It looks like they're going to knock off Duke at Cameron Indoor Stadium for the first time since 1995. You've got the framework of the story in your mind. You've got to be thinking of headlines. You have to. You have to think about what it's going to look like on your site. People are going to talk about it, what it's going to do to the trajectory of Clemson's season. And then the snap of the finger, it all goes away. Take us, take us, if you will, back to that moment watching that last foul call. And was your reaction like Brad Brownell's reaction as he said, it was taken from us? Well, you know, I'll tell you what, Smitty. I go back to that uh, 2016 home game against Pitt for Clemson football when I wrote my lead uh, that Clemson was going to win that that game and kind of got ahead of things. And, of course, we all know Pitt came back. They won it on a, a late field goal. Uh, Clemson's long winning streak was snapped. A long home winning streak was snapped. And I thought, you know what? That's what I get. That's karma for going ahead and writing about a victory. And it's it's almost the reverse of that when you think about Clemson and Duke. Because in my mind, because I've covered so many games at, at Cameron and or because I've covered so many games at the Dean Dome, it was almost like, yeah, not only am I not writing this, I'm trying to figure out how I write it when the heartbreak comes. Because the heartbreak is coming. Something's going to happen. And, you know, you, you sit there and you watch it, and Clemson's got the lead. And Ian Shefflin, who has played great for Clemson all season long, has maybe been, you could say, other than P.J. Hall, their most valuable player. He throws the ball away. They come back down the court, throws the ball away. And I'm sitting there in my mind going, and this is how it begins. In fact, uh, you know, you're, you're kind of sitting there in your head going, this is this is how the heartbreak uh and then, you know, so it really shouldn't have been in that situation for an official to, you know, interject in the game. They had already had a, a technical foul call that was just absolutely bogus. There had been some stuff. You know, I watched Shefflin get his head taken off earlier in the game. No foul was called. B.J. Hall shouldn't have really been in that position. But, you know, you go back and you watch the replay, and Proctor, he's driving in the lane, and he does what you're supposed to do. He's not really touched, but he throws his head back. You know, like a, a dookie does. Oh, my gosh, I've been assaulted and murdered here in the middle of the lane. And he gets the foul call. That's that's what they do. It's what it's what LeBron is known for. It's what punters and kickers are known for. It's just part of sport. All right. It's Yes. So that sounds like, yeah, you, you have – it, it, some emotional maturity about it. Some of the some of the people covering Clemson did not, and some of the fans did not. As a matter of fact, now you said there were some missed calls, but Tim Bray tweeted it was the worst officiated game he'd seen in 47 years. Tim Bray doesn't usually come out and trash officials. That's that's not his lane. I don't know if you saw that tweet, but that really raised my eyebrows. And and more than anything, whether he's right or he's wrong. More importantly, it shows you how much that loss kind of hurt 
Clemson's the, the the base must have been so injured by that because it was it's like winning at North Carolina, winning at winning at Chapel Hill, winning at Duke. That's special. Yeah, it is. And I saw Tim's tweet. I actually embedded his tweet in my story because I think that that does say a lot. And, and it was it was look, it was not a very well officiated game. Not the worst I've ever seen. The worst I think I've ever seen was uh, that game where Clemson had uh, six players foul out, forty one fouls you know, against North Carolina, uh, finished the, the game with four players on the court. That was maybe the worst I've ever seen. But this one against Duke, it was it was bad. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, and, and here's the deal is that there were some calls, I think, that, that could have been called against Clemson that weren't called. These officials, <clears throat> it, it was almost like they went through stretches of we're going to let them play. And then once the players got adjusted to that, it was now we're not going to let them play. Now we're going to call the ticky-tack stuff. Oh, now we're going to let them play again. They just the officials were they were bad, and and that's about the only way you can put it. They were just bad all night. Yeah, David Hook joining us, TigerNet.com. But that loss, because of the way the net rankings works, it doesn't cripple Clemson. As I mentioned, they are a projected six seed uh, in ESPN. What what do you take? Yeah, the way this, the net works, they actually step- they actually jumped up six spots. They went. Right, right, because you lose on they the road. They went up to six spots right to with a loss, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah, they, they went up six so now, spots, and that they're still in really good shape. And, you know, this is something I asked Brad Brownell about, is that they are the only team in the league to have played five of their first eight games, uh, league games on the road. So now they get hmm. to finish with a very home-friendly schedule. The front part of the schedule was front-loaded. It's tougher than the back end. So, you know, I asked him yesterday, can you, you know, make some hay now? You're going to be at home more than you're going to be on the road. Schedule's a little bit easier. And he said, I, to be seen, because they've already lost a couple of league games at home, including one to Georgia Tech, and haven't shot at well at home. So, you know, they get it started tonight against Louisville, which has lost five in a row. Uh, you know, maybe this is kind of a, a get-well party for them. David, with that being said, just to touch on this, remember last season it seemed almost like the Tigers season got derailed by that 83-73 loss to a 3-23 and Louisville team. We heard all about that being a major reason why the Tigers were left out of the NCAA tournament. Now, right here, it almost seems like a perfect storm where you have an emotional team coming off a hard loss against Duke. How do they rebound and kind of turn the page like we're going to do here on that Duke loss and look forward to Louisville and not let that Duke loss hit you twice? Yeah, so they they kind of gave the players uh, a good bit of Sunday off. They could come in and shoot around if they wanted to. And then they spent Monday just basically they, they, they looked at 35 clips, 35 cut-ups of the Duke game. Here's where we got to do better. Here's where we lost the game. Here's some things that really cost us. And then it was immediately, you know, turn the page to Louisville. And so, you know, this is where, again, you've got to have the senior leaders. You've got to have P.J. Hall, Joe Girard, Chase Hunter. They've been through it, even Ian Shefflin. They've been through it before. They've been through the wars, and they know what this means. And, you know, nine o'clock. It's you know probably not going to be a sold out crowd. Not a great opponent, and they're going to have to to kind of find their own energy and bring their own energy. Or they they could get beat again. Uh, this is a Louisville team that's not as bad as that one last year. They're probably I think I looked earlier a hundred spots better in in the net ranking. So you know not as bad. They've already beat Miami, uh, so they can win this game. And and you've just got to be able to kind of find your own energy out there. David Hood, uh, TigerNet.com, joining us on Sports Talk. David, a quick shift to football recruiting. 
lot of great stories up right now at TigerNet.com. How are the new assistant coaches at Clemson fitting into and impacting things from a recruiting perspective right here in the offseason for Clemson? Well, you know, you can start with Chris Rumpf, and, and, and he, he joined in with Nick Easton to give them just an, an incredibly dynamic one-two punch for the defensive line. And, you know, they go out and, and they get Isaiah Campbell. He's uh, committed, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, yesterday after the, the elite retreat this, or the, you know, the elite junior day this past weekend. Uh, they got Ari Watford, who's a big-time defensive end. Uh, earlier, but, you know, last week, he was one that I kind of was watching. Would he wait until, um, you, you know, the elite uh, junior day to come in and, and, and commit? But, no, he committed earlier. And then you look at what Matt Luke is doing along the offensive line. Tigers already had Easton Ware. He's a teammate of the, the running back commit, Gideon Davidson, out of Lynchburg, Virginia. Already had him committed. But, you know, it was this time last year where Thomas Austin started missing on some guys where, you know, they brought in a lot of guys to, you know, the elite junior day, and it seemed like all of those guys just wound up popping up going elsewhere. It really started in December uh, of 2022 for them, and, and they just never really could get that offensive line recruiting on track. So enter Matt Luke, who, of course, has that reputation. He's put guys in the league, and he loves to show them film of Laramie Tunsil, who he recruited and coached at Ole Miss, who's now, you know, one of the better tackles in all of NFL, in all of the NFL. And all of a sudden it starts to pop for him, and you go out and you get a kid like Braden Jacobs, who he has an NFL legacy. His dad played for the Giants, played running back. You know, they got uh, Jalen Beckley, the kid out of Texas, who I really thought would commit this past weekend. And, you know, one of the things that you look at is they're going out and getting big guys. Uh, there's none of this, hey, six one six two. They're going out and getting, you know, six 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 seven guys. And and then there's more to come. They're they're really into it with with David Sanders, the five star out of Charlotte. They thought that they had some ground to make up uh, with, with him, and I think they did. Uh, Mal Waldrop is another guy that you're looking at. Mason Short, who was committed to Alabama. All of these guys had fantastic weekends, and you know Matt Luke's already now got three kind of uh, you, you know in the barn, and and I think they're looking at four, five. If you know you have a fourth, and David Sanders wants to commit. And, you know, you just have to say, hey, we've got a shot at these guys, which is more than you can say this time last year. Absolutely. You know, David, I'd, I'd like your take on this. A few years back, Dabo Sweeney started to take criticism like for hiring guys like Thomas Austin. Maybe not for hiring him, but maybe the thought was Dabo Sweeney had the pipeline, and it, it was too narrow. It was it was running right through Clemson. C.J. Spiller had hired as running back coach. The list goes on. Some of the recent hires have been from outside the house. Uh, Matt Luke is a great example, a guy who's making an impact and, and with no ties to Clemson previously. Dabo Sweeney didn't even know him. Just went out and got a good football coach. Would Dabo Sweeney admit now maybe he was – too Clemson-centric in his hires, or does he think they just didn't work out and it had nothing to do with it? He just It was just bad circumstances for those guys. Well, you know what? I will take it another direction that you didn't even mention, uh, and that's the fact that when he kind of started, when he hired Lemansky Hall, Lemansky Hall had never coached defensive ends, had never really been a full-time coach in college football. When he hired Thomas Austin, he had been at Georgia State, you know, for a year or two, but no real experience on the Power Five level. Tyler Grisham, same thing. C.J. Spiller, same thing. 
and all of a sudden you, you go into last year and you look and <clears throat> and I, and I, I I posted this that that 2016 team that beat Alabama in the national championship had 206 combined years with nine assistant coaches of experience out on the recruiting trail in big games and the, you know the squad that he brought in last year 10 coaches 56 total years all of a sudden you just lost a bunch of guys that knew how to coach football that knew how to recruit and and so yeah i think a lot of it was too too narrow too inside the family and then a lot of it too was guys who just haven't ever been there before guys that that have you know you go into 2016 and uh you're you're, you're staring down alabama in the national championship well who's your offensive line coach Robbie Caldwell, been a head coach, been there, done that. Uh, Danny Pierman, tight ends coach, been there, done that. Uh, guys like Marion Hobby and Dan Brooks along the defensive line have been coaches for forever. And all of a sudden you throw in a bunch of guys out there that had never been there before. And 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 so I think you can add, yes, too Clemson-centric and, yes, too experienced. David, you were absolutely the best. Stories up on TigerNet.com right now, including uh, T. Higgins, Mentioned there, there's everything about some of the more recent commitments for Clemson football. The top, uh, the two early ranking for Clemson football has a story right now at TigerNet.com. It's awesome. David, uh, in, in just a few seconds, we've got to let you go. How are you going to make it to the end of tonight's game? Do you go coffee? Do you nap at halftime? How do you make the end of these 9 o'clock tips? <laughs> you know what? It's, it's all going to be about a, a – a little bit of uh, Coke, uh, Coke for me, uh, the cherry Coke that they have there, and little John calls them all about cherry Coke. Hmm. All right, I'm already on the coffee to make it. I, 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 it's not Brownell's not boring, but I'm going to have trouble staying up late enough to for those post game comments. All right, man, be good. Thanks, David. All right, talk to you soon, David. David Hood, TitanMed.com. He is absolutely the best. Visit his website. Of course, we'll have the game. All the details posted. Clemson, Louisville tonight at sportstalksc.com, including that post-game audio from Brad Brownell. I will make it. The coffee's already brewing. 